I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Malachi as we continue walking our way through this Old Testament book together. We've been looking at what it means for us to worship the Lord with our whole hearts, what it means for us to allow our affection and our attention, our devotion to be focused on Him. When I was a teenager, I got into NASCAR. Now, I just want to be transparent. I haven't watched a NASCAR race in many, many years at this point. But as a teenager, I was fascinated by it. My favorite driver was Terry Labonte. I loved to watch NASCAR. I don't know if you know this or not about NASCAR, but all of the drivers have sponsors. And it's very evident to see who is sponsoring a certain driver simply by looking at their car or their driving suit. Because it's plastered all over their suit, all over their car, who their sponsor is. So it may be Lowe's, it may be Pennzoil, whatever it is, Outback Steakhouse, it doesn't matter. You know who is sponsoring this driver simply by looking at them or looking at their car. Now people have made the observation, wouldn't it be nice if politicians were like that. <laughs> Say, whoa, Pastor Michael, hang on just a second. You just took a turn there. But hear me this morning. What if for you and I, this hit me this past week, what if the things that we love were plastered on us as we came in every Sunday morning? What if we came in Sunday morning and you could look and you could see, well, that person, they love their spouse this week. It's right there on a patch. <laughs> or look, they, they love coffee, which every person should, right? Or they... They love their favorite sports team. Any Bucks fans in here, right? You are this year, huh? Yeah, Tom Brady came and <laughs> want to be on a winning team, right? But what if it got real for a second and you look and say, man, they didn't really love the Lord this week. I mean, there's not really any demonstration of their lives that they're walking with Jesus. In fact, there are a lot of things that they loved this week, but he wasn't, he wasn't at the top. He wasn't at the pinnacle of their lives. Their heart's devotion wasn't focused on him. You know, it's interesting when you read through the book of Revelation, which we've covered part of it together as a church family several years ago. If you remember back in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, that the Lord speaks directly to the church in Ephesus, and He says this, 
you're doing all the right things, but you've lost your first love. He looks at the believers there gathered in this church and he says to them, in essence, I can tell the things that you love. They're plastered all over your lives. I can see what takes your affection and what takes your attention, but, but what I see is that at one point, your love, your focus, your heart's affection, if you look at the pinnacle of it, I was there. But no longer am I there. You've lost your first love. This morning, as we walk through the text together, Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, what we're going to see is that on display. And we're going to talk about a number of different things as we walk through it. And I want to encourage you to hang in there with me. As we walk through the text this morning, there may be some painful points. There may be some spots that that trouble you a bit as we walk through it, but I want to encourage you to hang in there with me as we go through the text this morning. I want to read for us Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 10 and going through verse 16, and then we'll walk back through it together as we consider our first love. Have we not all one Father, has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask that all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 
I want to remind you where we are in the text this morning as we pick up in Malachi chapter 2. We've walked through several messages as we've considered what it means to worship the Lord with our whole hearts. We've talked about what's going on in the nation of Israel at this point in time. Remember, Jesus has not yet come on the scene. You're going to look, it's going to be about 400 years after what's going on here in the book of Malachi that Jesus shows up. And so at this point in the time, they as God's people are looking and longing and waiting, wondering when is God going to fulfill his promise of sending a savior? When is God going to do what he promised he was going to do? And they doubted, they wondered, maybe God's not going to do that. They questioned God's goodness. They questioned whether or not God was going to come through like he promised that he would. They even questioned God's love for them. And in this, what's taking place is that it's affecting the way that they are worshiping the Lord. In fact, they are simply walking through the motions of worship at this point in time. Their heart is not in it. They're not focused on worshiping the Lord with every ounce of their being, with their entire heart. In fact, they are just sitting back saying, I'm going to check the box just in case I need to. But I really don't want to be there. And I'm really not sure that the God I'm coming to worship is deserving of my worship because he's not really doing things the way I want him to do them. And so at this point in time, that's what's going on in the nation of Israel. And as we pick up here, once again, the Lord, through the prophet Malachi, is questioning the people. In fact, he is exposing what's going on in their hearts, which oftentimes, if we're honest, is not very comfortable. It's not comfortable when our heart lays bare and exposed for people to see what's going on deep with inside. In fact, most of us would prefer to put on the church face on Sunday mornings and say, everything's good. Come in the door, how you doing? I'm fine. I mean, you're yelling at your kids, pulling in on two wheels. I mean, it's like, but we're fine. We're good. Everything's fine. But I want you to notice the main idea that frames this text for us this morning. Our lives provide the indisputable evidence of our love for Jesus. Our lives provide the indisputable evidence of our love for Jesus. In a very real sense, all of us are walking around with a jacket on that says what we worship, that says what our heart's affection is mainly directed to. Our lives demonstrate our affection. And it demonstrates our affection for Jesus or a lack of it. 
And that's what he's going to emphasize in the text this morning as we walk through. I want you to notice this first truth that complacent hearts quickly lead to compromised lives. Complacent hearts quickly lead to compromised lives. Look with me beginning in verse 10, going down through verse 12. This is what the prophet says, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? And then here's the question, why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? That's the question that Malachi lodges against the people there. He's saying to them, listen, we are operating under a covenant that God has made with us as his people. And God's covenant with us details out how he is to be worshiped and how we are to respond to him and what our lives should look like if we are walking in obedience to him. And so Malachi says to the people, it's not looking very good. He says, we are faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers. You may ask the question, how? And he says here, Judah has been faithless and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. How did that happen? Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. Now here's where things begin to get interesting. Here's what we see taking place in the text this morning and the reason that this first truth is something that we should take to heart as well if we are followers of Jesus here this morning. What's going on in the text is very clear an issue with the Lord. And what's happening is God's people who have been set apart for his purpose, who have made a covenant with him, God is saying to them, you are taking me for granted and here's how you're doing it. In fact, you are coming in with a wife from a foreign God. And what God had said to his people were that you were to worship me, you were to walk in relationship with me, and you should marry someone who is walking with me as well. This is not a race issue, this is not an ethnicity issue, this is a walking with Jesus issue. And so he says to them, and we're going to see how this plays out, in fact what's going on is that they were so compromised in their lives that they were divorcing their spouse that was in the covenant with them with the Lord, and they were marrying someone who was outside of the covenant and adopting the worship of false gods. And then they were saying, we can worship this false God and we can worship you too, God, and we're just gonna come in and everything's gonna be fine. And the Lord is looking and saying, hey, hang on just a second. That, that's not the way this works. He says here to them, 
Your hearts have grown so complacent, so lukewarm. You are so half-hearted in your devotion and your worship of me that you are simply doing whatever you want to do. You don't really care about the covenant that I've made with you and what I've said is the right way to walk in relationship to me and to worship me. In fact, you're just doing whatever you want to do. Isn't it interesting? We're going to talk about marriage and it's going to be unpacked here in just a little bit. But this affects every aspect of our lives. In fact, we are a walking billboard, as I said earlier, of what we worship. And oftentimes, even as believers, we are focused in on whatever we want most. And God has called us to live set apart. God has called us to walk in relationship with Him. But when our hearts grow complacent, it often leads to lives that are compromised. We talked about that last week in relationship to leaders within the church. As we look and recognize what's going on in the text this morning, what we're seeing is that these people, God's people, are so complacent, are so half-hearted in worship with them, they're essentially saying to God, you'll get whatever I give you and I hope it's good enough in worship. I want you to notice that the Lord doesn't take too kindly to that. In fact, he says here, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. You know, it's interesting as I think about this in relationship to our lives as believers. So if you've taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me ask that question of you. Do you find yourself at times growing complacent in your walk with the Lord? Do you find yourself at times looking and saying, man, it's just, I just don't have the fire that I used to have in my walk with the Lord. And have you ever noticed that as a believer, when you are walking through that season, that it's oftentimes easy to compromise in walking with Jesus? Easy to drift into sin in your life instead of walking in holiness before Him? At this point in time, God is looking at his people and he's saying to them, the issue is your heart. The issue is your heart has grown complacent. It's not focused and devoted towards me. What's going on in the nation of Israel at this point is simply a symptom of what was truly going on in their heart. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about here. As you are seeking to raise your kids, maybe your kids are grown and they're out of the house, but you remember what it was like to parent. You remember what it's like to have to deal with issues in your kids' lives. 
unless you're a parent that doesn't have issues in your kids' lives. But here's the thing as you seek to parent, one of the ways that you can approach parenting is just to deal with the immediate symptom of whatever's going on. What's harder to do is get to the heart of what's going on. To go beyond the surface level and to actually get to the heart of what's going on. And that's what's happening here. What's going on in the nation of Israel at this point in time is a symptom of what was going on in their heart. And the same thing holds true in our lives as we walk with Jesus too. When our hearts grow complacent, it's not long before the fruit of complacent hearts is evident in our lives. And at this point in time, the Lord is looking at his people and he's saying, that is where you are in this moment. You have grown so complacent in your heart's affection towards me that you are walking in a compromised life at this point. What's interesting is, as you continue on in verse 13 through 15, is you see that compromised lives often question God's discipline. What God's people are doing at this point is saying, God, we're going to do this because it's what we want to do, and you therefore should bless it and not have a problem with it. I want you to notice what happens in verse 13. This second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping, and groaning. Why? Because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. So at this point in time, God's people have taken the step of simply walking away from their spouse who was walking in covenant with them and said, I'm going to marry someone who's outside of the covenant and I'm going to adopt their God as my God. We're going to do a worship here and that's the way we're going to live and function in our lives. And we want God to place his stamp of approval on it. Isn't it interesting that at times in our lives that we want God to just go with us with whatever we're doing? Like, God, I'm going to follow my heart, which is probably the worst mistake any of us could ever make, right? Don't ever give anyone that advice. Just follow your heart. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But at this point in time, that's what they're saying. We're just going to follow our hearts. We're going to do what we want to do, regardless of the covenant that we've made with you, regardless of the covenant we made with our spouse. We're going to do what we want to do, and God, you should bless it. And they're walking through at this point in time, recognizing that God is not blessing it. They're asking the question here, why? Is God not accepting our offering anymore? Why is God not showing us his favor anymore as his people? Why is God not blessing us the way that he should be blessing us? Notice what happens here. Verse 14, you say, why does he not? And here's the response from Malachi, from the Lord. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. Though she is your companion and your wife, 
by covenant. At this point in time, God's people are simply walking away from their spouses and marrying spouses who are worshiping false gods and they are adopting those gods as their own to worship. And they're trying to play both sides of the fence here. They're trying to continue to worship the Lord and worship these false gods. And the Lord is looking at it saying, no, 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 no. In fact, he goes back and he says that you had made a covenant with the wife of your youth. He says in verse 15, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So at this point in time, we're gonna see in just a second, the issue of divorce being raised. So I wanna put my cards on the table for you this morning, okay? Because some of you, as soon as we read that, you cringed a bit inside. You're like, oh man, I should have skipped this Sunday. If I knew he was going to be talking about the issue of divorce, I'd have skipped out. But I want you to notice that from the bottom of my heart, I grew up in a family where my dad and my biological mom were divorced. My mom left when I was two years old, left my dad. And so I walked through that as a child. A lot of it I didn't remember, but there were issues on the back end that had to be dealt with. And many of you may have grown up in a similar situation, may have walked through a similar thing. I want you to know that We live in a broken world. And God's word speaks into the brokenness of our world. And so if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been divorced, you must not like me very much, that could be nothing further from the truth. You may even have the mindset, God doesn't like me. And that couldn't be further from the truth either. And so I want you to notice that what's going on here in the text is very, very specific in relation to what's happening in Israel at this point in time. And so as I told you before, what they were doing is men were divorcing their wives who were in the covenant, who were Jewish, who had adopted the one true God as their God. They were divorcing them and looking outside and marrying those who were outside the covenant of Israel, those who had not been worshiping the one true God, they were adopting those false gods as their gods and worshiping them. And so within the context, the Lord is speaking specifically to this, but there are general applications here as well. And I want to hit on those and and I want to move quickly through those so that we can get to the last part here in the message. But what we're going to see here in just a second is God's plan for marriage from the very beginning was outlined in the book of Genesis. And God's plan for marriage is one man, one woman, married for life in a covenant before the Lord. That's God's design for marriage. That's God's plan for marriage. And what we see happening is that 
because of sin entering the world that this issue of divorce does come up. It comes up in the Old Testament. It comes up even as far back with Moses in the book of Genesis. And we see even as Jesus speaks to the issue of divorce, as the religious leaders of the day were seeking to question him and to trap him, to get him to come down on one side of the other and talking about this issue of divorce, what Jesus says is very clear. Jesus calls attention back to the beginning and says, this is the way God intended for marriage to function. One man, one woman coming together in a covenant before God for life. Now, Jesus also says there that there is a reason that divorce can happen. It's not God's best. It's not God's ultimate plan, but there is an allowance for that in the issue of adultery. I think Paul emphasizes the issue of abandonment later on in the New Testament. So, all of that to say, you may be here and you have walked through that. You have experienced that. You wonder, is what I walk through okay? And here's what I want you to understand. That God's grace is sufficient if what you walked through was not according to Scripture to offer forgiveness in that. And that God can forgive. God can bring healing. God can bring restoration. We live in a culture in which oftentimes Christians are accused of not being very graceful. And the reality is our God is incredibly filled with grace. And this issue is a difficult issue and the repercussions of this issue expand in numerous ways. Myself being one who was affected by it. And I want you to know that there can be healing and restoration in that. In the context of what's going on here, God is chastising his people. He's saying to them, you have walked away from the wife of your youth who was in covenant with me, who was worshiping me, and you have substituted her for one who was worshiping a false god, and you have taken those gods on and are worshiping them. And you wonder why I'm not blessing you. You wonder why you're not experiencing the blessing from me. But the same thing holds true in our lives in a number of ways. When our hearts are complacent, when our lives are compromised, isn't it often the case that we look and we say to God, God, why are you disciplining me? You ever had your kids say that to you? Say, listen, you can't do that. Why you got to be so mean? Or my favorite. Ah. <laughs> but you know, the truth is we do that in our walk with the Lord oftentimes as well. God, I want to do what I want to do. God, I want to not really have to worry about walking in obedience to you, walking in holiness before you. I just want you to bless what I want to do in my life. And when God's discipline comes in our lives, we look and go, hey, what are you doing? I ought to be able to do what I want to do, and you bless that. And the truth is, we don't want a God, we want 
to be God. I want you to notice the Lord continues on in the second part here of verse 15. And here's the third truth I want you to see. Guarded hearts always yield faithful lives. So from Malachi, from the Lord to the people, he says here, guard yourselves in your spirit. And let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Twice the Lord says to his people here, guard yourselves, guard your hearts. We saw earlier what happens when we are complacent in our hearts before the Lord, but here the Lord says to his people, guard your hearts, guard them. I want you to know that Satan is doing everything he can to give you complacency in your heart with the Lord. He would love nothing more than for us as believers to mirror what's going on here in the nation of Israel, for us in our lives to just be lukewarm, for us in our lives to just be half-hearted, for us in our lives to have lost our first love. He would love nothing more than for that to be the case. But for us as believers, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you and I have a responsibility and a calling to guard our hearts. To say, I want a heart that is devoted to the Lord. I want a heart that is wrapped up in worship of the Lord. I don't want there to be compromise in my life. I don't want there to be complacency in my life. God, I want to guard my heart because here's the benefit of guarding our hearts. Malachi says here, faithful lives. See, for every single one of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, I would hope our desire is to walk in faithfulness before the Lord, to walk in holiness, to walk in righteousness, to walk in a way in which God can use us for His glory and for His purpose. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to the Lord this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you've come in this morning and as we talk about a heart devoted to the Lord, as we talk about walking in relationship with Him, the truth is you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never taken the step of giving your heart to Him, of receiving the greatest gift that you could ever receive. And I want to encourage you that today, right now, before the Lord, you can receive that gift of salvation. You can Give your heart, your life to him and receive his gift of salvation. If that's a step that you need to take this morning, 
I want to encourage you in just a few moments as we sing to make your way out of the doors into the foyer. And I'd love to talk with you, share with you what it means to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you want to fill out a connection card in the back of the seat and check. I need to speak with a pastor. I need to know what I need to do to take that step of trusting Jesus as my Savior. We'd love to help you take that step. Maybe you're here this morning and for you as a believer, what we talked about is what's going on in your life right now. If you looked and took an honest assessment of your walk with Jesus, what you would look and see is that it's pretty complacent. And as a result of that complacency, it's led to compromises, to sin in your life. And you know that that is not God's best. And right now, before Him, you need to confess that and to say, God, help me guard my heart. Maybe as we talked, you recognize this morning that you thought God didn't like you much because of a divorce in your past or maybe a home that you grew up in where this was an issue. And you've thought yourself second best, less than. I want you to experience this morning forgiveness, hope, restoration. Maybe you're here and truth be known, you in your walk with the Lord and your marriage right now, there are issues. And you've thought about throwing in the towel. Can I encourage you to seek out help? We've got great avenues for you to do that. People who would love to counsel with you, to help you, to walk with you and your spouse through this. There is hope. There is restoration. Don't allow fear or shame or whatever it may be to keep you from getting that. God desires for your marriage to thrive. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it touches even on the uncomfortable parts of our lives at times. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the hope that he provides. If there's one here that hasn't taken the step of trusting him as their savior, would you give them the courage today to take that step? To fill out a card, to meet me in the foyer during this time of invitation, to simply surrender their lives to Jesus. Father, where there's been brokenness and hurt and pain, would you bring healing and restoration? God, where right now couples may be walking through difficulty, would you give them hope that those can be overcome? Would you give them the courage to reach out for the help that we can provide? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to stand, to respond to the Lord, maybe down here at the altar.
Maybe you need to take the step and head out in the back. We want to encourage you to respond this morning.